The thoughts, opinions, and general overall shades thrown on Hyatt 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of Hyatt 9 News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness, and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at 9 with us. Oh, yeah, you guys. Good morning. That's right. It is Friday, March 1st. Today is National Sun-Kissed Citrus Day, Self-Injury Awareness Day, because I guess a lot of people self-injure themselves. It's also National Minnesota Day. <laughs> and uh, apparently, Rico, I didn't know this, but apparently today is uh, like National Crip Day because it is National Dress in Blue Day. So happy Sea Day to everybody out there. Happy Sea Day. Yes. It's also, uh, you know, I think this should be the Hyatt Nine News uh, National Day also because it is National. Hold on, hold on, Mandy. It's National Speech and Debate Education Day, as well as National Dad Gum. That's good day. And that's right, you guys, it is the start of March, and it is also the start of National Women's Month, so in honor of that today, we have a majority women joining us today, and we have a whole live guest audience of all women today who are all judges in this month's Women's Cannabis Awards. So welcome, ladies, and thank you all for joining us and getting high at nine with us. And we're going to move it right on in to, oh, wait, hold on. Thank you for getting high at 9 with us and high noon on the East Coast. We are live every Monday through Friday on YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and on our very own website at www.highat9news. But kicking it off first, that's right, we have the dope dad himself, Mr. Rico Lamite, the father, the little baby Zoe's dad, and the dope dad himself. That's right. It is none other than Mr. Rico Lamite. Oh, man, thank you, Jason. And a big shout out to all the women, the powerful, uh, beautiful, and uh, um, um, uh, so very, very, very intelligent women all around the globe. May this uh, Women's Month be the greatest of all time. I cannot wait to be involved as a judge for the Women's Canada Awards at the end of this month. Big shout out to our very own Mandy Tangler for putting on a, uh, one of the greatest uh, events of all time in the game. For the female plant, that's what it's all about. Oh yeah. All right. So, um, I got a question for everybody. Have y'all ever been in the cipher with someone who swears that they got the best bag, but as soon as you hit 
your whole damn demeanor switches up, your face crunches up, and uh, you can't believe this individual even wasted your time with that trash-ass weed. Well, if he was in uh, Maryland at the end of July uh, that's last year, it might have been exactly that. Baltimore Banner's Cody Boteller uh, reported yesterday that Maryland retail dispensary Curio Wellness has been hit by the Maryland Cannabis Administration with a fine of $26,000 for selling cannabis dug out of a dumpster, and uh, the packaging of which was covered by a, quote, liquid substance. According to the MCA's consent order, 224 grams of cannabis product was thrown in a trash and uh, were outside in the dumpster at Curio's Foreign Daughter Dispensary in Timonium for 41 hours and nine minutes. On July 25th, 2023, 64 units of cannabis were thrown in the trash and in a dumpster for two days. Just before 10 a.m. on July 27th, 2023, three employees were seen on video footage leaning over the dumpster and recovering the missing prepackaged product. Later that day, 7.30 p.m., an employee is seen repackaging the product. The employee who did the packaging, uh, uh, who did the repackaging, told the MCA that it was necessary because the original packaging was covered in a liquid substance from the dumpster. Curio, on their part, asserts that no liquid or the material from the dumpster reached the cannabis inside its packaging. Foreign Daughter's general manager, who is not named in the document, made the decision to sell the dumpster cannabis on her own, according to the order. The MCA became, uh, became aware of the situation after receiving an email from an employee identified as AJ, who was the inventory manager on duty on July 25th, 2023. And in an email, AJ says that he advised destroying the cannabis and was in the dumpster. Um, that was in the dumpster, but that management insisted on not losing the profit. Curio disputes the characterization of management uh, according to the consent order. AJ's employment was terminated on uh, or about August 20th, 2023, according to the order, and he emailed his complaint to the MCA on or about August 24th, 2023. In an email statement, a spokesperson for Curio had this to say. The aforementioned product was inside sealed jars within sealed boxes, and it is disputed that no outside material ever breached the jars or touched the product. Curio also said that uh, conducted in an, uh, that they've conducted in an internal investigation, and that non-adherence to safety and compliance requirements is not taken lightly or tolerated. End quote. In total, Bar and Daughter said that the cannabis that was in the dumpster. To 24, they sold the cannabis that was in the dumpster to 24 medical cannabis patients and 18 adult use customers for a total of $3,174.50 in sales between July 28th and August 3rd. As of February 2024, date of the order, neither the MCA nor the company have reported any adverse reactions to the cannabis. While investigating the dumpster cannabis, MCA also found the company had not been properly logging everything it's required to, such as not entering product into its green waste log and not uh, properly logging calibration of scale. In addition to paying the fine, the company was ordered to submit the green waste logs for monthly reviews, submit its scale calibration and cleaning logs for monthly review, and retrain staff on green waste procedures. Now, this shit is just nasty. Maybe I'm missing something here is I've never run a legal dispensary myself, uh, but I have lived in the DMV for several years of my early 
uh, um, life, and I know how damn hot and humid it gets between July and August in Maryland. Not only was this product in a dumpster marinating in some unidentified liquid nastiness, but it was also boiling in that motherfucker for two days like a toxic waste slow-cooking crockpot. I understand if some of y'all want to call him a snitch or whatever, but um, I got to tip my hat to AJ, the inventory manager, for reporting the incident to the MCA. He's a real MVP, man. Um, I hope he got a new job at a more reputable facility that actually cares about putting safe products in the hands of... Was I on a rant? It was doing yes. right. five seconds. Uh, we don't have rule. a live stream. We'll watch. Our folks okay. still here. All right, guys, we, 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 we're back. We, we, we're back. We apologize for the technical difficulties, and we were right in the middle of listening to Miss Chancellor Dale Sky Jones's rant in regards to this trash weed. Trash All right, I'm still yes. hot. A rant yes. trash weed. <sighs> yeah, yeah, no, that description, seriously, still Rico, I'm still nauseated. But no, this is an issue of inversion and diversion. And so like just regulatorily moving it from one to another, if you're putting it in the trash and then going getting it later, this is also how staff steals. This is how people steal shoes from shoe stores. Um, and so I just suspect that there's even more going on here, but let's just move to trash weed. It is beyond the vision of impropriety. This is a trust issue with with customers and where I left off was, yes, there is no five second rule with trash weed and not, definitely not a two day rule. And there can seriously be so many issues with cross contamination. You are dealing with patients here, but even healthy people get sick from things like salmonella, which is what breeds in dumpsters. And right. you, there's no way that you were able to properly dis, de decontaminate the entire, it, this, it's just hell no. Mm -hmm. I'll just leave it there. Man, I just wonder, you know, about this, if this um, is, is all part of their uh, Green New Deal recycling program. Oh my God, Jason! Come saying. on now, you gotta be reaching for that. I'm just saying. I mean, look, we got some Republican <laughs> candidates who've been stored worse than this stuff was, right? Let's be totally candid. 100. Um, yeah. <laughs> here, typically when we talk about a dumpster fire and regulated cannabis, we're talking about policy, not product. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, the, the gentleman who told on this practice is not a snitch. He's a whistleblower and he's courageous and he did the right thing because he recognizes yeah. that his moral compass is more important than his paycheck and that the patients are more important than the purveyor. And so when we think about patients having unfortunately been uh, exposed to this type of product, I mean, you might as well just leave a piece of pork out in the sun until it has worms on it and serve it raw to your customers. Because what they've done is they violated one of the only benefits of regulated cannabis, which is uh, this notion that we have a safe supply chain, laboratory-tested product, and that what goes into these patients and, and customers' lungs is going to have the highest safety standards of any product out there. Now, we can complain about the burdensome cost of that over-regulation, but in theory, there's a benefit to the end user, and these this store violated that trust. And in many ways, they didn't just do a harm to their customers and those patients they did a harm to the regulated industry and 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 it's really unfortunate mm -hmm. right. absolutely jason i have a question for you though yes go ahead mandy even though it came out of the dumpster <laughs> better or worse than canadian weed um 
I mean, I, I mean, in, in, in all honesty, I'm willing to bet this was probably some of that that New York hemp weed uh, that that, that, they, that they have because they, it was. It, I mean, it's also it's it's that stuff is actually older than this weed um, that that, that we're referencing that people are buying on shelves today. Jason, would it, would- would it would it pass the smell test? It's been in a dumpster for two days. <laughs> I think it would smell like the shit, bro. <laughs> Definitely gassy, not yeah. fruity. Yeah, no, I mean, well, I mean, I mean, who knows? Who knows? It depends on what they eat there. If the, you got a bunch of employees that eat McDonald's and whatnot, fruity, it's gonna, it's gonna smell terrible. Yeah. Smell oh, like yeah. a little bit no of food. Yes. Oh, oh man. man, you guys, you no. guys. It's, it, it's it's a dumpster fire all in a way. I, I can't believe that this even happened. Uh, oh, man, like, like, dumpster it, it, fire OG. Yeah, dumpster Listen, fire OG. You know this is not the yeah. first time this shit has happened. Mm-hmm. Right? Hold on. This, this is they got caught. Hold on. I, I, here, here's the real exactly question. Exactly what I was going to say. They got caught. Yes. Here, here, here's, the, here's the real question, though. Here's the real question for, for, for you guys out there from the retail perspective. If they did this, so so they did this. The question is, did they sell the weed for a higher premium or did they sell it as if it was on sale? Joe Biden. Joe Biden. Jason, hey, we're did back. you get those we're back. sneakers? We're back. Oh, we, 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 we are back. And you know what? We we have taken so long on this on this trash story, but thank you so much, Rico, for, for, bringing, yes. this, for bringing this to us. Um, we're going to go right into a commercial and we're going to be right back. Hey, you, America. Do I look like Sean Connery? <laughs> Good morning, America. Saman Razani coming to you live from sunny Los Angeles, California with the one and only highest host, Mr. Jason Beck, smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast? You can find it on Apple Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. No excuses in 2024. If you haven't checked us out, check it out now. And also, check out what the profit's doing in 2024. Mm-hmm. I, it, yeah, there's there's well, something else going you, you, on. They're going to pop what? money out of the register. There's a few different things they can do. Well, this my, my, so my that's thought. how Trapweed makes it to the market. No, that's not how. No, no, no. Trapweed makes it to the market through other through through other ways and whatnot. Door, not the dumpster. But in in, in (laughs) regards to the sad door. In regards with this story, they must have they must have a very. Um, very low homeless population there in Maryland because I'll tell you what the homeless used to break into my dumpster every awesome. single night and steal everything whatever they could find the little tiniest roaches and so but nonetheless we got to keep it, it was employees or management if it was management they were saying they threw it away so that they could just sell it like normal and make money on it like normal mm-hmm. if, if it was an employee then it was going out the back door and somebody decided to bring it back in for some reason I think it was probably it's after yeah, two days though Dale that doesn't make sense like it would have been gone right at like no, within hours after the shift reasons. listen i used to have to investigate this all right and there's reasons why they thought like whoever their friend was supposed to go pick it up that night their friend got busted got in a fight with their wife lost their car whatever and then they have to wait until the coast is clear they're tracking when trash is being picked up so they know how long they have in between it's kind of like these is this is this is just strategery among thieves <laughs> strategery it's, it's, Interesting. Teachery. Interesting. Interesting. You know, interesting. This, this is why we can't have nice things. And right. I don't want to, like I said, we got, we got, we got, we got to keep it rolling. We're already at 20 minutes past. <laughs> let's, on let's just let's one roll story. it out. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> Up next, Hi Nine News is head of Hancho, uh, known for smoking the best weed in the world, but it is, <laughs> the jury's still out. If he was smoking it, would oh, dumpster God. weed be the best? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying, Jason Beck. Yes. What you got for us today, my brother? Well, I'll tell you what. I have a I have a story of a. Uh... Man, you, uh, Rico, you're going to get triggered for my story today. I'll tell you that much. All right. Just just as a heads up, because a Capitol rioter who smoked marijuana in a senator's office was sentenced to prison. You guys, that's right. A January 6, 2021 Capitol rioter who smoked marijuana in a senator's office was sentenced to three and a half years in prison on Thursday. New York State native Brandon Fellows, 29, was sentenced by U.S. District Judge Trevor N. McFadden to 37 seven months in prison plus five months for a contempt of court charge. He was convicted by a jury last August for a felony misdemeanor offense of entering and remaining in a restricted building. They say they have that in quotation marks, disorderly and disruptive conduct on restricted grounds and disorderly conduct in the Capitol building. According to the department of justice, the DOJ fellows, a chimney uh, repairman entered the Capitol building during the January, January 6th riot through a broken window after briefly entering a congressional conference room. He got he got to Senator Jeff Merkley, Democrat from Oregon's office, where he smoked marijuana. He then joined the other rioters in walking through the Capitol crypt before later leaving the same way he came in. In a quote, there's just a whole bunch of people lighting up in some Oregon room, Fellows reportedly said at the time, according to the DOJ. And Fellows called uh, Judge McFadden a modern-day Nazi. In a quote, in all my years as a judge and before that as a litigator, I have never seen such contemptuous conduct, he says. McFadden said during Thursday's sentencing, referring to the many times he interrupted and insulted the judge, according to the Washington Post. In a quote, there's no good grand conspiracy here against you, McFadden said. It's time for you to grow up. Since January 6, 2021, more than 1,300 people have been charged related to the riot at the Capitol, and more than 400 people were charged with assaulting law enforcement, according to the DOJ, whose investigation related to the breach is still ongoing. Well, 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 I really wonder how come this guy didn't get to reap the benefits of legislative immunity, which all members of Congress have so that they can do whatever the hell they want in their offices. But nonetheless, I can't wait to hear what y'all have to say about this. And this is Jason Beck for the High at Nine News. What do y'all think? It makes me think of that story. Uh, didn't Willie Nelson smoke a joint in the White House, or isn't that some folklore? I have I have a lot of people that have admitted to me that they've smoked in in, in the White House. A lot of celebrities and, and smoked and, before he walked in. Yep, and yeah. I, I think or I think Willie was on. He smoked in there. And I, had, I think allegedly Willie was on the roof when he did it, so he wasn't well, inside. Willie's got Willie's smart enough to know that he wanted to not just fill the room with pungent smoke i had i had one celebrity tell me one time that bill clinton definitely inhaled and because they were the one that passed him the joint mm. i want i wonder if this guy um can get off he can get off on saying that it was thca well uh, I, my, my thing is this is is, is what? what about why, why is this administration prosecuting people from cannabis when they're trying to say that they're releasing everyone from cannabis <laughs> I think the I don't think that's the question. I think the question is I think why question. would somebody who was experiencing the benefits of plant medicine 
still think that that act of insurrection was an appropriate way to demonstrate their rights within our democracy? And wouldn't that interaction with the plant have caused them to come to a maybe a, a deeper realization and to peel away from that mob of madness? Mm, no. Jason, you're the one who would know. Not buying that. Not buying. I, that I'm one. all ears, Jason. I'm not buying that one. Buying that one Cause I don't, I, this, the, 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 there, to me, there wasn't no, no insurrection is a bunch of people over there protesting and whatnot. Oh Jason, stop it right now. Yes. That was absolute. Uh, it was a, I'm not buying, I'm not buying all that. I'm it, not buying. It, it, it was, was not a peaceful a protest. It was not a riot. No, no, not I don't think anybody should have gotten in trouble for smoking weed in the white house, but like, see, this, there's, there's no, no doubt, Jason, that there was an insurrection happening at the Capitol. Like, come no, on. no, I'm not buying. My, 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 my <laughs> thing right is this. My thing is this. The right wingers are calling it a riot now. My, th th this is riot. my thing. Why, why, why I don't believe that it's an insurrection? <laughs> because by calling it an insurrection, you're ge actually giving the people enough credence that they were actually capable of doing something like that. And I don't believe that that's the case. Uh, weren't five people killed? Five people were killed, right? Yeah. Today? Five people died. If you, take, if you take the blue pill, you might have a four-hour insurrection. And if it goes any longer than that, you're supposed to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Idiot yeah. defense. All right. Yep. Yeah. There's, no, there's no glitch oh, in that matrix. Like, yeah. Oh, we got, the, we, we got the women there. They're, they're all, so some of the ladies have some comment on this story. Some of our ladies, the women can awards judges over there that look like they're judging something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. we're definitely over here judging, judging um, yes. some of the wonderful products that we received as part of the competition entries for the Women's Cannabis Awards. Um, but yeah, there's been definitely some fol folklore throughout the years of some of the different celebrities and different presidents that have enjoyed cannabis in the White House. Mm -hmm. um, I know for sure there's been stories of Keith Strope, who's smoked with um, different presidents or their um, their sons. Um, in, in past years in the White House. Um, uh, so yeah, I can definitely add to that lore as well. What mm -hmm. about you ladies? And you other ladies have Wasn't any comments our on this? Constitution written on hemp. Yeah, that's true. That's so, not you know, true. Cannabis hemp has. That's not true. That's not true. That's folklore. <laughs> that's folklore, ladies. That's folklore. That's not true. Is that folklore? Yeah, that's folklore. No, that's, that's fact. No, it's not. It's not. It's not. I promise it's not. I promise. I promise you it's not. I promise you it's not a fact. It is. It is a very common uh, a myth or myth conception or whatnot. But the, the Declaration of Independence was not written on hemp paper. That's not true. It's written on parchment. Thank you. It was written on parchment, which is not hemp. Yep. That's correct. Yeah. There we go. Eyes and propaganda. Look at that. Parchment see? Parchment you cook with. We know that. Mm-hmm. It's good for good for concentrates. I see these ladies over there dabbing and stuff too today. Oh, man. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right, we're gonna keep this train rolling today. We're gonna roll right on into Dr. Gene Talleyrand. He's the founder of the CESC and has been writing probably even your parents' recommendations through Medican for years upon years and decades upon decades. That's right, it's none other than Dr. Gene Talleyrand. Thank you, Jason. Uh, happy Friday, everyone. Uh, let's see. So my story today is from the Washington Post. Michigan wants to study cannabis health benefits. It's not easy. By David Ovalle. When Michigan voters approved cannabis six years ago, the measure included an innovative mandate using cannabis tax revenue to pay for research into the health benefits of cannabis for military veterans. State officials later committed $40 million. Today, not a single veteran has received cannabis in a clinical trial. 
Critics blame federal restrictions on cannabis. The FDA blocked one Michigan study of PTSD, contending it's too dangerous to have participants inhale, even though that's how most veterans use cannabis. In another series of proposed studies, it took nearly two years for researchers to secure federally approved cannabis supply for study. By law, they can't use cannabis widely available at dispensaries. These studies are still months from beginning. Scientists hope that research will accelerate if the federal government soon loosens restrictions on cannabis. But they fear that the federal regulators' deep-rooted skepticism of cannabis and legal barriers will continue to hamper studies that, most, that must balance safety and scientific rigor with the immutable reality that millions already smoke joints, inhale vapes, and eat edibles. Researchers have long complained about red tape strangling their ability to study cannabis. To conduct studies, they must submit a research protocol, get approved by the DEA to schedule one drugs, and then follow strict security rules. I have to account for every milligram that I've used, and, and what I have left over, I have to keep, I've kept it in a gun safe in a locked room, and I only get into it with my thumb said Meg Haney, a professor of neurobiology and director of the Cannabis Research Lab at Columbia University. Haney has received federal approval to study inhaled cannabis for pain. In 2022, President Biden signed the Medical Cannabis and Cannabidiol Research Expansion Act meant to speed approval of permits. Not only does it make cannabis research harder than ever, argues DC lawyer Shane Pennington, but it cements its backward anti-science regime in place for good. The FDA has not approved any cannabis plant products, highlighting what researchers say is the agency's disdain for botanical products. The agency has seen an explosion in requests for research. In November, the FDA said it was reviewing more than 150 applications for cannabis product studies. Legal experts say that under federal law, moving cannabis to Schedule 3 would allow doctors or dispensaries to provide medical cannabis to patients without a prescription, as long as it does not involve interstate commerce and with no FDA approval needed. Why on earth, in a practical sense, would a pharmaceutical company spend the tens of millions, if not billions, to try to bring a botanical cannabis product to market? says Paul Armentano, Deputy Director of Normal. The article goes on to describe how the FDA first approved the study of smoked cannabis flower and then held up a second study over concerns of inhalations and its danger. The mixed messages have researchers frustrated and then appealing FDA decisions. It's clear to me that the FDA is unable to appropriately regulate botanical products. Their methods are established to patent and commercialize single-agent drugs. It's a long, costly road to developing a pharmaceutical drug through the FDA. Meanwhile, patients are suffering. Another option is for the cannabis industry to regulate itself. What do you think? Should the cannabis industry ignore the FDA and create its own standards? This is Dr. Jean Talleyrand with High at Nine News. Hell yeah, they should, Dr. T. They should 100% adopt our adopt our own standards because you know the FDA is going to do nothing but screw it up. Have you met Utah? 
they really screwed it up. I just, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, race to the bottom there. Um, okay, that's all. That's all. Yeah, but listen, we don't sit down and start taking the bull by the horns and handling these sorts of things on our own. If we don't start at least giving them some kind of, this is the bare bones minimum of what you need to include, then we're shooting ourselves. And we're, we should be blaming ourselves. It's absolutely ridiculous to sit back and point the finger when you have every opportunity to get the conversation started and to set a, a structure or at least put an attempt of a structure in front of them as a starting point, right? We have Without to question, Mindy. It, and, that's and, all we need. Don't complain. And, and, and proving what's going on in other countries is something that is, you know, we have more research on cannabis, the cannabis plant, cannabinoids, the endocannabinoid system than many drugs we commonly consume. And yet there's not enough research. There's a metric shit ton of research. That's a very scientific term right there. And so being able to point, and you know, this is a chance to talk about Saving Sophie Foundation. Um, I'm trying to tee you up here because we've we've got uh, results from Israel. We've got results from all over the world. We've got results from right here in the good old US of A. And this is just a classic situation of the longstanding blockade on research. And, and frankly, I'm schedule three will legalize research. But research of of what and by whom is still a concern. Uh, the good news is, is we can finally research for benefits, not just accidentally find benefits while researching for harm, which is what NIDA will currently sponsor. Mm -hmm. um, Mandy, to you. Oh, well, I was just going to say, that's exactly why the Women's Canada Awards picked Saving Sophie as our beneficiary, because they are doing clinical research. They've been doing it in labs for years. They've raised tens of millions of dollars to conduct this research. They're working in conjunction with scientists, physicians, all kinds of individuals who are experts in their field. And they've actually come up with the reason why and how cannabis helps people fight cancer. Mm -hmm. So... It, it, it is happening out there. Don't let yourselves be fooled. If you're not hearing that it's happening in the U.S., it does not mean that it's not happening elsewhere. We are not the leaders in everything like our government likes to tell us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, shout out to the SavingSophie.org, right? SavingSophie.org, and you can learn more all about all of these projects on their website. And to Tracy Ryan, seriously, a serious shout out, because this woman is a true champion, not just for her daughter and her family, but this entire industry. Take She took 10 years ago, she started raising money for this research mm -hmm. project. 10 mm -hmm. years ago. Mm -hmm. And 10 years ago, the landscape was much different. So kudos to her. She's yes. a true pioneer. Boss. So how, so how do we as an industry get together and regulate ourselves and ignore the FDA? You know what, Dr. T, is I was working on this a long time ago, and we were trying to to pool a number of different doctors and scientists and whatnot to actually create a standard a standardization for testing. Because without until you have a federal standard uh, a metric for testing, you're never we're never going to be able to get to the point of of what you're of what you're referring to. And and well, I'm in. That Sue Sicily's been doing over the years as well. 
Yeah, but, but what, what I'm saying is is that in order to create a, a general standardization, you have to have a number of different doctors and, and scientists and whatnot all on the same page that understand the industry, understand the plant and how it works to be able to come up with these types of standardizations and then present them to lawmakers as a, as a unified front. And so that hasn't happened. And so until something mm -hmm. like that does happen, none of that is going to happen. And the FDA is going to control everything and ruin everything. And I, I think Sue Sicily tried to work with the FDA and it didn't work. Exactly. I also thought she sued the federal government because the um, product she was forced to use in research was the, you know, Kentucky or whatever government we that was Mississippi, University of Mississippi. Hold on. You're going to love this, Elise. You're going to love this because I got the best government answer. I was talking to a, a, a researcher that actually got samples from the DEA to con, to conduct uh, human clinical trials with cannabis. And uh, and the DEA, the University of Mississippi, they don't grow anything stronger than THC Delta six. And, and as most people know, the federal patients receive a tin can of joints every month uh, in, in relation to and the reason that the, the federal government doesn't grow anything stronger than Delta Six, it's the best government answer I've ever received ever. It's because they're not willing to no, turn that no, dial up no, from six no, to no, seven no, to eight to nine. No, it's like on, spinal no, tap. No, you gotta turn it up to nine. No, no, no Yaro. No, hold on. The reason the reason they don't bullshit. grow the reason they don't grow anything government, stronger than THC. Grows Delta nine THC cannabis down at the University of Mississippi. There's no Delta Six cannabis. That's bullshit. What? I'm trying it's to six, turn it it's up a to six percent. They don't grow anything stronger than six percent THC, doctor. They don't grow anything stronger than THC delta six because, it, or, or maybe I'm saying it incorrectly. You, He's that, saying that, that it maybe, wrong. He's yeah. trying to say that they grow six percent. Yeah, they don't grow anything stronger than six percent because it gums up their rolling machines. What it is is really old. Sometimes, like with mold, always with sticks and seeds. It's yeah. never good. Uh, and it, yeah, there's only two patients left now on that roster. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and one happens to be our stockbroker. So, Irv Rosen fell down in Florida. If you ever need a stockbroker, and if you need, well, let's start uh, a GoFundMe for him so he can get something better than that. Yeah, that's not how it works. It is. If he if he actually sad. accepts cannabis from anyone else, he could actually be in danger of losing his federal status. Well, what's he losing? He's losing a six instead of an eleven on the dial. No. And Bro, he's, he's losing. He's he's losing. He lives in Florida. He's losing his access to to to, to free cannabis and his ability to smoke anywhere in the entire planet, including yeah, on the steps of the Capitol. He, he can smoke in an airplane. Yes. Well, I don't know will if you he can smoke him, in an airplane. Will, will you but, tell him to friend request me on LinkedIn because I want to be down. I remember stockbroker. I mean, I actually think those pretzels and the peanuts might taste better on an airplane that way. They smoke nicer. It's true. I'd rather actually probably smoke that trash weed. Yeah. If you want to, if if you want to smoke on a plane, Yaro, I suggest you rent us a PJ, and I'll show you how to do it. Fair enough. Okay. But yeah, uh, he won't take and he won't share because they're not allowed. It's mm -hmm. true. Do we have the? Do we have Exhale the ladies? your vape pen into the into the air pillow? You know the pillow you blow up. Blow up your air pillow by exhaling your vape pen into your pillow. Do we have, do any of the lady judges have any comments on this story today? Any of you ladies have anything to say on this? Oh. You're just judging. You guys are just judging away, huh? We're high at night. Oh, yeah. That's right, Fanny. I love it. I love it. Well, on that, we're going to go to a commercial. We're going to be right back.
The control tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The control tower from Highly Educated. Mm. Oh boy, oh man. <laughs> Stop whatever you're doing just because Yaro's going crazy with his hairless pussy apparently. But yeah, none, kind of yeah. Uh, but nonetheless, make sure you hit the like button. You'll feel better. We'll feel better. YouTube will enjoy it. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you've not subscribed already. And all the stories that we cover on today's show, you can read directly on our website at www.hyatt9news.com. And also, in honor of National Women's Month, this weekend, Saturday, in San Diego, is going to be Liddy in the City, and they are going to have eight matches of women oil wrestling going on. So shout out to them and they may win some bread. You know what I'm saying? Liddy in the city in San Diego. Yes, yes. Hop on the train, get whatever you gotta do to get down there. It should be an amazing event. I'm Jason Beck and this is Smoky Vanilla. And if you want to feel as good as I look, then you need to get yourself a stretch and smoke with Smoky Vanilla. That's right, baby. I'm Smoky Vanilla with my background in kinesiology. I'm a sports massage therapist and stretch coach. I focus mostly on athletes who have chronic pain or injury due to their sport or the legends of the chronic in the game, baby. Oh, yeah, you know what it is. We just stretched and now we're gonna smoke because you know what it is. That's right. I love intuitively creating a session based on the individual I'm working with. We'll go through a few assessments, look at the past health history, injury, or anything that's still affecting you today and create a customized session just for you. Let's go. And we're we're back. Oh yes, you guys. That's right. Um, coming up next. That's right. She's a chancellor, and she's a mom, and she's nominated for an award at the Women's Canada Awards, where you should go and vote to nominate her. That's right. It is none other than Miss Dale Sky Jones. And it's the last day to vote. So go on and vote at Women's Canada Awards. Tell us where to go www.womenscanawards.com right there on the homepage is a button that says vote for people's choice click on that and pick your pony for lifetime achievement which dale is nominated for and also for community cultivator which our very own rochelle rochelle gordon is nominated for oh yeah shout out to those ladies and good luck ladies is behind every good man is a good woman and hopefully us good women uh, have allies behind us as well. So happy kickoff to Women's Month, everyone, coming at you straight out of Oaksterdam. This is also tax day for so many folks. And this is an interesting story, but you've got to kind of pay attention and step carefully here. Uh, True Leave Cannabis is reporting receiving 113 million, with an M, in 280E tax refunds. That's with a refund. Okay, so Solomon Israel uh, gave us this story. The cannabis multi-state operator, True Leaf Cannabis Corp, revealed 
it received that $113 million worth of tax refunds as it challenges what it owes under Section 280E of the IRS Code. They are Florida-based, and they made waves in the U.S. cannabis industry when it announced the plan to seek $143 million worth of these refunds. So you'll notice there's still a gap between these two numbers. They are also seeking an additional $31 million in state tax refunds. So with these uh, fourth quarter earnings, if you want to go to the story, it'll break those down for you. Uh, but TrueLeave did not specify whether the successful or rejected refunds came from federal or state government, but we can actually infer this if it came from the IRS. That's federal. Um, during a Thursday evening call, TrueLeave executives were asked whether the company's tax refund strategy is applicable to other cannabis operators, likely what many of you are wondering yourself. And the CEO of TrueLeave, Kim Rivers, said she could not currently reveal more details about what she called a trade secret, but added that the company considers the tax refund strategy to be in large part specific to our position and our organization. So this uh, advantage that they discovered might be proprietary to them because of who and where they are, and I'm going to get to why here on who they serve. Um, I, remember I said Florida. That's a medical state. So Rivers said that we are not going to be sharing that information publicly, given the fact that it could be in a litigation posture. That information would become available if and when we actually get to a court filing. The financial, uh, the CFO, Wes Getman, said that the company is still accruing money to pay uh, its tax liabilities in the face of uncertainty, which whenever you're uncertain, just pay your taxes. Uh, and and then go back for the refund. Until the uh, process reaches a final resolution, they anticipate the uncertain tax position will increase over time. So they still owe taxes while they wait to find out uh, what the results are going to be. Uh, we will continue to make timely payments as an ordinary corporate taxpayer. Uh, their balance sheet shows $180.4 million in uncertain tax position liabilities. So that's 180 million in tax liabilities, not sales. Um, so most of that is 280E. And I also want to just say, although TrueLeaf's success on the 280E front is exciting news for the heavily taxed U.S. cannabis industry, and frankly, this, this is the only industry I am aware of that can it, even be it's the only one asked to survive without normal business deductions. It's just not possible in the gold U.S. of A uh, to be to thrive uh, with with crippling rules uh, based on a federally uh, illegal drug. These, The tax attorney, Rachel Gillette, cautioned that other cannabis operators should do their own legal analysis before trying to duplicate what this particular MSO um, is doing. And I, I want to—there's more to this particular story that I would encourage people to read about TreeLeave and their position. Um, but I also just want to real quick talk about why they're in such a unique position from, again, a third-party perspective. I have uh, no relationship or correlation to TrueLeave uh, or anybody in this story. Um, we do have a link on our blog that we just put out recently on an explanation of the 280E rule. Um, but what this really boils back to is, is the good old <laughs> SCOTUS. Um, I, I'm, I'm loving how much SCOTUS is in the news. I'm hating why they're in the news. Uh, but it's really educating our electorate on how it works. Uh, my husband, Jeff, was the first to go to the Supreme Court on this issue with the OCBC, the mm -hmm. Oakland Cannabis Buyers Cooperative. We're coming up on 30 years this spring yeah. of him stepping off the bus from South Dakota. <laughs> Mr. Jones. 
Thank you. Uh, the second was uh, Angel Rach, and she was uh, a patient of Jeff's, and she was the second to go to the Supreme Court. And, and her decision has been rocking our country in unseen ways ever since. Obamacare was upheld on the Rach decision, fun fact. Uh, and it, it mm -hmm. had to do with interstate commerce yep. and how taxes are affected with interstate commerce. Now, what's interesting is, is the Supreme Court rule can be interpreted differently depending on what situation you are applying it to. And so since Congress determined that medical marijuana is protected, there may be a carve out of 280E. And because the bulk of true leaves business is in Florida, which is a medical state, that if what they've been doing is paying the full amount of 280E, but they actually did have a medical carve out, that would explain the difference here. And so it really is a narrow set of facts. However, if you are a medical cannabis or medicinal cannabis provider, you may have a similar carve out if you are in a legal state. Notice I'm saying if, this is not tax advice. You definitely wanna to talk to a CPA that has deep experience in this. Um, and I also just want to call out a, another article. Um, it is an opinion article, uh, but it, I, I found it very helpful that that dives into some of this explanation. Uh, we know it because it was our faculty and founders and we were there. Uh, but Nathaniel Pollack uh, did a great article in MJ Biz today about all of this that I'd also point people towards. Um, so what do you all think? Um. Man, First, I, I just want to say that whoever it was that was on the accounting team and legal team at their company, nice work. So I wonder yeah, if, if this would, would this have any type of this type of decision have any type of retroactive effects for people that ran medical dispensaries prior to that may have already paid the erroneous 280E taxes and then could possibly be entitled to some type of rebate while they were operating in a medical space. Not a rebate, but to be clear, and I'm, I only play a tax attorney on TV. I am not one. Uh, but yes, you can go back seven years on your tax returns um, and make corrections and amendments. So yes, you absolutely um, have an opportunity to address uh, past taxes, which is also why you've got to pay them if you're uncertain, because the penalties will also go backwards if you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, didn't the D'Angelo's also take this case to court? Um, and they did, but they didn't prevail. Yeah. So they how come they didn't win? Harborside, Oakland Medical at the time, and why does Trulieve win? And and that would be the D'Angelo's plus dress, just to be pure about the founder team. Thank you, Yarrow, because dress was definitely part of that. But they are using that decision in audits to beat other companies about the head and neck. So it's actually the, the Harborside decision is being used against companies in audits instead of for them. It's, uh, yeah, it's not been helped. And just to be clear, the same thing happened with Jeff's case, the OCBC, when he lost civilly, all his friends went to jail criminally. So like one person winning can be very unhelpful. And, and Jeff lost <laughs> just to be clear, um, in his case. So it's the, the ramifications of these cases are often narrow. And the way that Harborside approached it is, is also being used against other operators. Um, yeah. Um, do any of the ladies uh, of the Women's Can Awards have any comments on this? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it's, it's nice to see a big company finally getting to take advantage of the 280E 
um, advantages that other big companies get to take advantage of, um, getting treated like regularly operating, normal like normal companies, yeah. Um, they're definitely taking a big risk, um, mm -hmm. so it'll be interesting to see how this plays out in court. Um, something that we'll be definitely watching um, and supporting. Um, and I don't think that other companies will be, you know, following their footsteps until this plays out in court. Um, we'll be supporting and watching from the sidelines. Um, you know, definitely. Um, what do you guys think? Um, I think it'll be interesting to see how it's going to change the playing field for a lot of cannabis businesses, you know, in, in their, um, their business development and how that's going to look on their books. I know a lot of people are still catching up in, in the corporate world and, you know, what accounting would call gap principles and all that stuff that is really needed to drive a business to success. So um, nonetheless, I think this is also where uh, organizations like ours are going to play a key role in supplying those resources and really helping women-owned businesses come up and, and really be able to take advantage of all these resources. Can I give one more tip to all of our Californians out there that yes. California is providing a tax credit of 20% for any excise collected by equity businesses. You do have to uh, register and qualify with the CDTFA. Also, the Franchise Tax Board has a $10,000 tax credit for equity businesses um, in this past year's tax return. Um, there are a couple limitations, like if you're over $5 million in sales uh, for the uh, CDT. C it's CDTFA, CDTFA, um, uh, uh, 20% uh, tax credit. But make sure you're, you're applying those tax credits. Also, some of them are going into the future, and a couple of them applied even in years past, so you may be able to go back. But apply quickly, because these relief programs are like running out of money, and if you don't get them, you might miss them. Yes. I, I guess the one thing I would just kind of want to sort of piggyback on everything we're talking about with the tax stuff is – is just, I'm a little bummed that they're not making this kind of an open code, open source opportunity. I'm sure it took them a lot of resources and brain power to be able to figure out how to do this. But when you trumpet your successes, cannabis is different than other businesses. And, and this notion that we leave the door open, we put our foot in the door so that others can draft in behind us. It is a female-led company. We are entering into a month that celebrates women, although every month should celebrate women as well as their opportunities to have freedom of choice when what they do with their bodies as well as the decisions that they make with their doctors. And so I would hold True Leave to a slightly higher standard than the typical MSO because they do have a fearless woman leader. I met her at Benzinger last last fall, and, and I just think that what 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 instead of the competitive advantage of of bogarting the tax opportunity what would have been the pr opportunity of saying we are going to share in the way that we have created this better than average result and here is what we can share with our community our constituents our compatriots our cohorts the other entrepreneurs who are also struggling under this burdensome tax structure and so i just kind of wish that they had um passed it instead of bogarted it that's all well the fight's not over right not done with this. and it still could come and another thing that i just 
wanted to point out on this topic is we spend a lot of time hating on the MSOs around here. We really do. My, myself included, I've participated in it. But the flip side of that is we also need these larger companies because they can afford to take bigger risks like this. They can afford to put themselves out there and it, if it goes wrong, it doesn't end their business. Well, I'd say this. I think I'd say, Mandy, that they actually couldn't afford to not take this risk because of the of the liability that True Leave currently has on their books for tax liability. Mm hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Can I also just remind people this is the company that had an employee die for the poor standards of their facility in Massachusetts. And you should do your research on True Leave. And as much as, yeah, they got a female CEO and. We do like MSOs fighting the good fight. I mean, you got to know how MSOs work. They're not here to empower small businesses, and they're not even here for patient safety in many cases. So, I mean. And I'm just saying that if you can pay, do something that impactful that changes the success capabilities of almost every business operator currently, then I'm going to put a coin in the good jar. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll give them their flowers when that happens for a small business. Oh, sounds like a cat fight to me on March 1st for women's. Oh, yeah, National Women's Month. If you look at their balance sheet, you have to ask, are they even here to make money? Because they're all losing money. Exactly. All, yes. all of yes. your MSOs are losing money. That's right. Good time to so, Put that in your pipe and smoke it. You're so right about that, Dr. Mark. And on that, we're going to go to poorly managed. And on that, we're the little go guys to, are all losing money. We're going to go to a commercial, and we're going to be right back. Get ready for the 20-year anniversary celebration of the Emerald Cup. The Emerald Cup will be held at the Henry J. Kaiser Center for the Arts in downtown Oakland, May 4th and 5th. Get your tickets now for best pricing. Cannabis categories include flour, pre-rolls, solventless concentrates, solvent concentrates, cartridges, edibles, topicals, tinctures, and alternative cannabinoids. So enter early for your chance to be a winner at the 20-year anniversary Emerald Cup competition. Oh, yes. Coming up next, that's right, it's Dr. Mark Chaldone. He is a chemist, a formulator, and he's in the lab today out there in the Champlain region. That's right, it is Dr. Mark Chaldone. Hey, Jason, thank you. Yes, sir. Happy Friday, everyone. Hope you're having a great week. Hope you got some great plans for the weekend. Uh, you know, there's tons of stories about Delta-8 and hemp-derived cannabinoids, and I seem to fall down that rabbit hole every time. So today I've chosen a different story to talk about a study that shows some positive effects about THCV. So the title of the study is called Phylos and People Science Announce Results from IRB-backed Controlled Research Study on the Energizing Effects of THCV. So this is a, a press release, and this comes again out from the, both companies. And so um, cannabis genetics company uh, Phylos and People Science, a direct consumer to science research and technology company, has conducted an IRB, that's uh, Institutional Review Board, 
approved double-blind clinical research study on the rare cannabinoid THCV. Results from the study found that THCV produced by phyllo significantly increased energy, uh, activity, and motivation compared well to placebo without fatigue and without the munchies associated with THC consumption. Uh, so the quote is, uh, this study significant, uh, uh, signifies a pivotal role for the cannabis industry in understanding the effect of THCV in combination with THC, according to Alicia Holloway, PhD, Chief Science Officer at Phylos. The natural, natural THC, that's what they call it, the natural, natural. I, I don't come up with these names. The natural, natural THCV study shows us uh, or allows us to leverage our exceptional plants in the advancements of target cannabis products and to chart new territories in understanding the efficacy of natural cannabinoids. Um, uh, research participants ingested unmedicated placebo gummies, THC-only gummies, and gummies that were effused with an extract from, get the name of this strain, Get Shit Done. That's the name of a strain, right? <laughs> High THCV strain called Get Shit Done. Uh, a THCV-dominant uh, plant bred by phylos. Uh, so they... Uh, abbreviated GSD. So the GSD gummies included distillate from the GSD plant with roughly a two to one ratio of THCV to THC. That's interesting because up until recently, um, I haven't seen that ratio of two to one THCV uh, to THC. So Jean, I think you're nodding your head. That's a that's definitely a, a, a unique a unique variety. Things always had more THC than THCV, but this one appears to be the other way around. So the core study findings include that 20% of the participants felt energized after consuming the GSD gum can, uh, gummies compared to placebo. 40% more participants enjoyed reporting or, or uh, reported enjoying their daily activities after consuming the GF, GSD gummies uh, compared to placebo. So the placebo, I guess it would be the same gummy just without the GSD extract. Um, participants who consumed the THC-only gummy reported a 50% lower in hunger uh, that's interesting. Uh, so the THC-only gummy is reporting a 50% uh, increase in hunger when taking, okay, increase in hunger when taking full doses. Participants who consumed the GSD gummies, right, these are the gummies that had the THC, did not report a statistically significant in hunger compared to placebo. So I guess that's the effect that everyone's looking for, right, that you could consume THCV and not get the munchies. So participants who consumed in the THC-only gummy reported feeling fatigue three times more than the GSD group. Participants who consumed the GSD gummy reported feeling significantly less fatigued than placebo. So again, this speaks anecdotally to what we've always heard about THCV is that it's the race car cannabinoid. It's not the cannabinoid that locks you into your couch. It's the cannabinoid that gets you up vacuuming the house 
naked if you choose to do so. Um, so <laughs> you both, know that's what I both, do. I know you, Yara. <laughs> both GSD. I got my you know what stuck in the Roomba yesterday. Oh God. <laughs> Oh my He's goodness. probably got a video of Elise playing in the background to keep them all excited. So um, both the GSD and THC only gummies increased activity, exercise performance, motivation, and well-being compared to placebo. So both sets of gummies, whether they were the THC only gummies or the THCV containing gummies, both made the participants feel better than placebo at all. And remember, placebo. SIBO's got no cannabinoids in it. So I won't read the rest of it, but I think this is very interesting. This is part of the research I think that doctors are looking for because now you can, you know, maybe not prescribe THCV containing products as diet products, but I think clearly it's got a different spectrum of activity than does THC by itself. So that's the story today from here in Vermont. That's Dr. Mark. Uh, I'd be interested in hearing what you all have to think, especially my colleague, Dr. Jean Talleyrand. So, Jean, what do you think about this study? Is this, this seems to sort of go along with what we've heard about THCV over the years, but maybe the availability of such a new strain, a two-to-one strain, might really start showing some pronounced effects. Well, I, I think this is good news. It's good news that they have a uh, THC that they've proved in the perspective way, um, the hypothesis that we've made in the past that THCV does have less appetite stimulation than THC, um, and it seems to be more energizing. So this is good. But remember, observational studies develop hypotheses, and perspective studies prove the hypotheses for the drug industry so that you can patent it and commercialize it. Um, and uh, in regards to the two-to-one versus one-to-one, I've seen THCV at around 6%. I think Pink Boost Goddess usually comes in around 6% um, THCV and 10% THC. Um, so whether it's just slightly more THCV or less THC, CV is not a big deal, um, you know, unless you're trying to patent it and, and sell it commercially. But the plant's out there. You can grow it in your backyard. Uh, so, folks, uh, you don't have to buy the, what is it called, the, the, the strain name? Um, you don't have to buy it. Uh, GSD. Get one. Get shit done. Well, and THCV is commonly found in strains that have a lot of limonene in them. Um, so it's not that hard to find, really. Like, your Durban Poison has it. It's my favorite one. Um, so you can pick that up in a lot of places or something yeah. that is a cross with a Durban would have it. Uh, but it is got all kinds of fun names that I've been hearing. It's the party weed. It's the workout weed. It's the uh, diet weed. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard it as the weight loss you know, weed, Mandy. Pseudo names for this cannabinoid. And it's it, it's exciting. I love when I get to hear of, you know, different research projects that are happening on specific cannabinoids. This is this is great. Mm -hmm. Well, the mayor, it has been applied for not just weight loss, but... Um, 
it, it, uh, specifically type 2 diabetic patients have reported um, uh, really positive effects. It's interesting, THCV seems to speak to our second brain, which I actually think is our first, our gut, uh, because we ate before we thunk. Um, but the at the end of the day, just also looking at this craze now for Ozempic and similar drugs and the side effects, anal leakage, I would much rather try Durban poison. Thank you. I mean, it is. It is. Well, it is just. When I consume, when I consume, get shit done in the form of a coffee bean. I have anal leakage anyway. Speaking of getting Which shit is done, more information than we needed this fine morning. Is speaking, it always though? Speaking of getting it shit done, the yeah. ladies, the ladies are in the room getting some judging done for the women's cannabis awards. Do any of you ladies have anything to say about this THCV on National Women's Month? We had We're THCV not, entries. Hold on. In the but, but we want to clarify. Sure. Oh, go ahead. Saying, go ahead. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Start over. Judges. And we really just want to let you know that we're not judges. Oh. We're actually um, yeah. got a lot of. No, no. <laughs> we have one. We're actually uh, committee members and chairwomen, so it would be pretty unethical of us to also be judges. So we really wanted to clarify that. Fair enough. Um, chairwomen. Oh, no. Yeah. Yes. But we're so we're hardworking, okay. and we like to partake too. Which so back to THCV. THCV. Yes. What do you think about this THCV? It was um, one of the first strains, actually, that I uh, that I smoked as a like a I want to say teenager. Sorry, um, but yeah, I, I actually I had a friend who would grow it in Santa Rosa, and so it was just just a longtime favorite. And then later I would come to find out, oh well, no wonder because I tend to prefer strains that keep me active, keep me awake, don't really gridlock me or put me to the couch yep. so who knew thcv that's why which we were just uh discussing one of the um good strains favorite strains classic strain is blue dream so that's the strain she was uh, talking about mm -hmm. it's a good good yielder it's a good starter um it has uh are you saying blue dream yeah blue oh, dream I, I blue dream about... is the number one selling strain in the state of california in, amongst all skews I, I didn't hear the strain. I heard Santa Rosa, Sonoma County, California. That's what I heard. Do you know, I almost started talking about that. I almost named her at first. I was going to be like, oh, yeah, from. And then I thought, nope, just stick to the stick to the area. You know, I think I think there's a couple things that we haven't talked about, which is the history of this company in the space and whether they've got clean hands and whether they have been favorable to the farmers and the people who have helped to provide them with the basis of a lot of their genetic material. And so I think we are all excited about THCV, but I also want to just sort of say, do your research on uh, the company that is making this announcement. And you've heard it from some of the other panelists. This is a rarer cannabinoid that can be acquired through just typical biomass. There are cultivators in the Emerald Triangle with uh, cultivars as high as 20% THCV, according to Dale Hunt, uh, who is pretty darn smart. And so I think that uh, our love of that uh, rare cannabinoid uh, should be compartmentalized uh, relative to 
the company that is making this announcement. Mm -hmm. So now you want to be a hater, Yaro? Wow. Oh, man. Oh. I have coffee, but there's a little bit of haterade. Yeah. Also relative to other cannabinoids, terpenes, and flavonoids, because it really is about the salad. It is about the, uh, whether you call it the symphony or the entourage, there's many names to say that the sum is greater than than the parts. Uh, Yes. I I I did want to say America runs on... What you guys are all referring to is is great work on the plant breeding side, right? So there are now strains that are high in THCV. But similar to what's gone on with CBD converting to THCV, companies like this are converting CBDV into THCV. And so what you're looking at there is a big rock, a THCV. This is THCV isolate. This is not made by the plant. It's made by chemists at a company, at a, in a factory, in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a vessel. So a lot of THCV that's out there today is not plant-derived. It's been synthesized in a lab like this stuff. Interesting. Interesting. Anyway. Interesting. Well, we got to keep we got to keep this train rolling. Um, coming up next. That's right. It is. Oh, my good. Why is this freezing? Give me one second. I'm sorry. Coming up next. It is the Sebastopol Sage who does cannabis. He does some real estate. And when there's some cannabis and some real estate in the same room, he's generally counting some money. That's right. It is none other than Mr. Yaro Kubrin. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Thank you. Good morning. Friday, March 1st. Hi at 9 News viewers. It's honestly just a pleasure to be sharing the screen. I mean, stage. I mean, screen with these other esteemed panelists. Um, My article today, I think, is uh, a little bit of good news. And uh, so without further ado from Marijuana Moment, article today is eight in 10 Americans have a marijuana dispensary in their county and shops cluster near borders with illegal states. Pew analysis shows eight in 10 Americans now live in a country with at least one marijuana dispensary, according to a new report from the Pew Research Center. The analysis also shows that high concentrations of retailers often cluster near borders abutting other states that have less permissive cannabis laws, indicating that there's a large market of people who live in still criminalized jurisdictions who cross state lines to purchase regulated products. With cannabis still federally illegal, the report underscores the glaring policy disconnect as the number of states that have enacted a legalization continues to grow. Using data from the market research firm SafeGraph and the U.S. Census Bureau, Pew found that 79% of Americans live in a county with at least one medical or adult use dispensary. Since Ohio became the latest state to enact legalization last November, 54% of the U.S. population resides in a state where recreational cannabis is permitted, Pew said. And 74% now live in a state where marijuana is legal for either medical or adult use purposes. California stands out among the other states with 3,659 dispensaries, quote, more than double the amount of the next closest state. An entire quarter of all cannabis shops in the U.S. are located in California, and 99.5% of all Californians have at least one dispensary in their county. In fact, a single county in Los Angeles, a single county in California, Los Angeles County, has more dispensaries, 1,481, than any other state, than any other state other than California itself. Pew found altogether, the U.S. now has 15,000 dispensaries. The analysis concluded. 
Oklahoma, meanwhile, holds the record for the most medical marijuana dispensaries per capita with 36 shops for every 100,000 residents. Notably, the report also found that one in five dispensaries across the county are located within 20 miles of a state border, with 29% of those borders border dispensaries neighboring states with less permissive cannabis laws. That signals some strategic thinking on the part of the industry, with businesses seemingly aiming to capture the out-of-state consumer base in places where cannabis isn't either available or where it has more restrictive medical programs. For example, Indiana. Kansas and Texas all have restrictive marijuana laws, but are bordered by multiple states that have legalized a drug for recreational or medical purposes, Pew said. In fact, a person residing in one of those states, of those three states, can find more than 100 dispensaries within 20 miles of the state's border. Also, while early in the legalization movement, some raised concerns that the industry would be overrepresented in low-income areas, as has been the case for liquor stores, the analysis found that the situation is more nuanced. In four states that have legalized, mar legalized marijuana for both recreational and medical purposes, Colorado, Connecticut, Maryland, and Virginia, median annual household incomes are at least $20,000 lower in areas with high concentrations of dispensaries than areas in the state with low concentrations of dispensaries. In New Hampshire and New York, by contrast, medium household incomes are around 20,000 or more higher in areas with many dispensaries than in areas with fewer dispensaries. Meanwhile, the Gallup poll released last November found that support for marijuana legalization has reached a new record high nationally with seven in 10 Americans, including a sizable majority of Republicans, including Jason Beck, Democrats and independents now backing the end of prohibition. So let me kick this off for y'all just a quick sec. It's interesting that they talked about the states where Dispensaries are clustered in neighborhoods where there's lower income versus states where dispensaries are clustered in neighborhoods where there's higher income. A lot of that has to do with the way in which they relegate dispensaries to certain zonings. And when commercial activity like a dispensary is pushed into a quasi-industrial neighborhood or mixed-use area, uh, it tends to skew those uh, income numbers down. And then you look at places like New York, where it cites where New York is opened up a minuscule amount of dispensaries, the majority of which have been in the five boroughs, those incomes are obviously gonna be higher. But I also wanted to point out the opportunity that many of us who have focused on dispensary development for years already know, which is that these states that have uh, not progressed at the pace of the rest of the country and don't have cohesive adult use retail guidelines their customers are crossing state lines to benefit from the states that do have greater access. And this is a tried and true play. As long as those states continue to slow roll access to cannabis, the states that are adjacent, the entrepreneurs who understand that border town play, and the retailers who get up and running as quickly as possible are winning. The only people that aren't winning are the people who have to commute to get that cannabis. This is Yaro Kubrin, Hyatt 9 News. I'd like to know what my other guests think. Man, I, I think this is a little skewed a little bit. And I think a lot of it is based off of a lot of common sense as well, because anyone that would want to open a store would want to open it near where there are no other stores for the they could monopolize the community. So to, to me, this is just a lot of common sense, Yarrow, rather than like any type of anecdotal evidence. Common sense is not a shared reference point, unfortunately. Well, mate, that's very, very true. Very, very true. That's why January 6th was an insurrection. No, it's not.
Stop it. It was a parade. <laughs> you guys, you guys. What do you think? Any, what do you think about this, Doctor Mark? I mean, you're you're out in Vermont in the in the super rural area, and there's they're 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 telling you that you have as many dispensaries near you, like like it, it's not far for you to get cannabis. What do you and for people that live way out there in the sticks? Yeah, no, that's not necessarily true. Not you know, it's yeah. I mean, and it really depends on you know where you live. You know, certainly there's, um, I think when people are putting up dispensaries, like I always tell people when I've, you know, worked on projects where we're looking at retail locations, is you want the, you want the location as closest to the BMW dealer as you can get. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's so right. You basically want to look at demographic trends and find out where are people spending and who who is buying at the dispensary. You know, most of the people I know in Vermont don't buy in a dispensary. They buy from their guy, right? So. Mm -hmm. Well, I actually really live in a, a NIMBY county here in California, meaning one of the few counties that does not allow for retail activity, Marin County. Mm -hmm. And I actually am talking to our city council about how to change that. And the points I'm making to them is that our residents, and this is a very affluent county, have to drive over the bridge to San Francisco or up to Sebastopol in Sonoma County to spend their money to buy cannabis. And while they can get it delivered here in Marin, and we have five licensed deliveries, that's great. You know, people do want the store experience and they want to shop. And then tourists, of course, are always asking me, where's a dispensary? How can I go to one? And the city council member said something to the fact of, well, if it was in a building and like upstairs and like a pharmaca and, you know, just it's all about the location. And so it's just really funny having these conversations with the politicians here, the, the people who make the decisions who do still see it as something that, you know, not in my backyard. And, you know, Marin County is where the Waldos actually coined the term 420. 420. And there's so much rich history in this county from the movement from San Francisco up to the Emerald mm -hmm. Triangle that... It upsets me to live here and, you know, not be able to go to a store. But shout out to our great Marin delivery operators. And, yeah, there's still changes to be made. If you live in a county that doesn't allow for retail or commercial activity, start the conversation, get it on the agenda, get mm -hmm. your support. Let's do this. You, you know, Elise, I'm not mad at that thought of having uh, retails on the second, third, fourth store or whatnot. As long as, there, as long as there's a handicap accessible elevator, I think that's a great idea. I'm all for that um, because it, it just adds an extra layer of uh, protection for the business as far as the escape route. Because when criminals are trying to break in and break out of something, they have a certain time frame. And anything that, that would make them long, take longer than that would make it a less desirable target. And I just want to underline what, what Elise said, too, that you, we're not done yet. There are huge swaths. People think, oh, California's legal. No, actually, half of California is not. Uh, there's no retail in the whole, like, middle chunk, except for just on the, on the what is it, Bakersfield is, like, the only uh, in-between. So there's there are, so many patients still don't have safe access. They don't have delivery. Or if they have delivery, they've got to pre-schedule it days out while they're doing the, the driving loop. It's just, um, it's not, uh, we're not there yet. And even if you are, I'm sure there's improvements uh, that can be made. Thank you, Elise, for working hard in Marin. That has been a battle for decades. Mm -hmm. Well, any any thoughts, doctors? Any last? 
Can okay. I also add, I also have videos of Elise playing in the background all the time, so I don't see anything wrong with that, Yarrow. Yeah, don't don't shame me just because I know who does the best hula dance. Like, don't shame me. It's art, yeah. bro. You're the best. And hey, yeah. since it's Women's Month, I got to shout out Lynette Shaw, the OG, mm -hmm. who does actually still have a dispensary in Fairfax, Marin County, grandfathered in. It's operating. You can actually go there and shop. It's a funny experience. Of course, it's on a second floor building, but shout out to Lynette Shaw. I believe she yep. fought the feds and won. She did. <laughs> and, and, and I think who else? Monica, is Monica Gray still doing a delivery down there? Just since Women's History Month, let's shout out nice the, guys. The, yep. yeah, the female I cannabis entrepreneurs who are operating in Marin, despite the structural impediments that continue to be in their way. Uh, there are women providing medicine and recreational products to Marin in, and, and have been doing it for more than a minute. Mm -hmm. and, Amen. And, on, uh, and we're going to go over to our ladies in our live lounge today. Ladies, do you have anything to say about all this, this propaganda, this common sense? What, what do you want to call it? Yeah, well, you know, I definitely agree. I think, you know, that there's still a lot of, in regards to, like, California. There's still a large part of California that's a cannabis desert. Mm -hmm. um, the, the Department of Cannabis Control just recently released a report that said 70% of California is still a cannabis desert. And that's why um, Scott Weiner just, uh, really, they just enacted the SB 1186, which forces um, all California cities to allow at least medical cannabis delivery in all cities to ensure that all patients have access to medical cannabis. So there's still some parts of the city um, that don't have access to medical cannabis. Most of the citizens live in populations, urban areas where they do have access, but there are still some residents that live in some cities where they don't have access so we can't forget about those folks um so there still are cities you know that do need access but it is great that we have statistics like um that our your reporter shared in the very beginning mm -hmm. you know that eight out of ten people do live in states you know that have dispensaries so that's amazing but we can't forget about the folks that don't um so we can't forget forget about those folks so we still do have a lot of work that needs to be done so you know thanks to the great work you guys do on the high nine news exactly um, you know and that's why we have the women's cannabis awards you know bringing light to all the great women in the industry um because although we do have great women you know to highlight their like dwindling numbers um because of all the challenges that we have so there's still even a lot of restrictions also in a lot of those cities that that do have cannabis as well i mean we have in Ojai, only three shops, and they're all within rocks throw of each other. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's still a lot of work to be done in that area. Well, I mean, yeah, not just even in California, but just just across the country. I mean, and, and with the different taxes, you have a lot of Ohioans, Ohioans that are driving into into Michigan and whatnot because of a, a cheaper taxes, even though they're just getting ready to launch their program off the ground. Yeah. And so, you know, we need... So Here's what I really appreciate about what the women on this show have said today, because it's incredibly important context and context is probably more important than the article. Mm -hmm. The first thing that they said is, while this is great news, there is a lot more work that needs to be done. We are not at a place where we can take a self-congratulatory victory lap when it comes to access to cannabis and this normalization through the increased 
uh, brick and mortar presence that should happen across this country. The second thing that they pointed out as we enter into Women's Month is the decrease in the number of women entrepreneurs in regulated cannabis because we have been talking about this for a really long time. And while we've been talking about it, while we've been championing it, while we've been amplifying it, while we've been increasing awareness, the statistics are going in the wrong direction in terms of supporting women in regulated cannabis funding women-founded businesses in regulated cannabis and elevating women to leadership positions in regulated cannabis. And so if you give a fuck about women, if you give a fuck, then don't feel their pain. Don't give them a hug. Don't kumbaya this month. Give them a raise. Peg the, There's a pay gap. Or give them a promotion and watch what they do with the increased responsibility. And buy weed from women. Put your dollar bills where your mouth is and ask right. for where women-owned cannabis, whatever you love, women veteran, women. Uh, listen, it's all 100%. about just keeping these businesses alive and making sure as well to keep your business alive. Have a mm -hmm. woman in the buyer's position because you have women customers and just having that female gaze on the products is going to help you sell more products. I'm not saying fire the man. I'm saying add a good woman. Women, need a good women, woman are, women are the number one consumers over, overall in, in, in de 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 demographically. So, so that part is true. And we're going to close this one out. We want to thank all of you for tuning in every Monday through Friday and joining us at High and Nine News. We are America's number one daily cannabis news show. And today we are going to let the... All the ladies close out um, who are joining us in our live studio audience. I would love if you could tell us all uh, your name, the company that you're with, what's your position um, that you're doing for the Women's Can Awards and anything else you would like to say. And we're going to go around the room on this Women's Month, March 1st. You guys, what do you ladies have to say? Well, hello, my name is Leanne and I'm with Plant Edge. We're an educational company. And this is uh, my partner in crime, uh, Loelli. Yes, Loelli Burgos, founder of Plant Edge Consumer Education Consultancy, and we're proud to be here and also part of the uh, founding or committee that's uh, working on the Women's Can Awards. Yeah, and I'm yes. Candace Hawes, and I'm the event co-chair and with Orange County Normal. Hi, I'm Grace Lalu. Um, I'm Candace's uh, co-chair for the Women's Cannabis Awards, and we're super excited. Go vote. My name is Fanny Avendano, and I am VP of Women's Canna Awards. I am also co-founder of Latinas for Cannabis. Hey. I have my own mic. <laughs> I'm just holding it. Hi, I'm Ife Moore. Um, I am going to be the red carpet host for the Women's Cannabis Awards, so I'm really excited about that. Um, and I am the owner of ETC Everything Cannabis, so make sure you come by my page, uh, Instagram, see all the stories, um, and make sure you get your tickets to the Women's Cannabis Awards. It's going to be a really good time, and um, yeah, come on out. Don't forget to vote. Today is the last day you can vote for oh, yeah. our special recognition awards. Um, one of the highlights that it does, it does um, highlight the community contribution, and I think as women, that's one of the uh, innate things that we do. We foster community, and with companies and brands, that's where brand recognition and brand loyalty stands. 
And because it's Women's Month, I just wanted to say one kind of uh, small thing. You know, we, we barely tapped on the fact that the number of female CEOs and executives in the cannabis uh, workspace has gone down. Uh, about a year ago, it was about 19%. And then if you think 19%, that means how, what percentage of that is, you know, women of color? What percentage of that is... It's, not it's a lot. Not Single a lot. moms, not right? A lot. And you know, executives, all these different hats that we wear. Mm -hmm. And we actually had to change our language this year. This is my second year uh, with the Cannabis Awards, and we had to change our language to women-owned and women-led uh, because the numbers were dwindling, and we still wanted to highlight and recognize these incredible women that are pushing through in our space. Yes, and shout out to all the women joining us today and all the women in the cannabis space. And remember, that's right, cannabis is a female plant that we all enjoy. Mm -hmm. And also, too, one last thing on the Women for Women's Month. Remember, love women, because without women, none of us would be here. That's right. And women's right to have control over their bodies. Just yes. remember, without women, none of us would be here. Okay.